0: Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip joins me to give his thoughts on Illinois basketball's 81-79 loss at Iowa and to look ahead at the week that will be for Illinois basketball. And we found out right after we recorded this that the illinois minnesota game will not happen on tuesday so apologies but we recorded this right before that news came out so we discussed minnesota a little bit but we really don't because it wasn't going to be that important of a game unless illinois lost and i think illinois was going to win that game anyway uh but that has been postponed as minnesota is having COVID issues uh, inside their program right now uh People had their feelings whatever in twenty twenty three of, of all of that. Minnesota's had injury issues here recently. They've basically had seven players here recently. Dawson Garcia, their their leading scorer, best player has been out with injury. Braden Carrington, uh freshman who's been playing a lot for them, miss the last six games with a leg injury. So you had you COVID into that and all of a sudden they don't have enough players for this game. And and Big Ten's COVID policy as of last season was that the teams figured this out. Um that they don't have like a forfeit rule. They started off the year uh last year with that and it didn't work out too well for them. So uh that's what the rule is and they will try and make this up. And and the date that I have circled on my calendar as of right now would be February twentieth because neither team has a game on the Sunday before and neither team has a game on the Tuesday afterwards. They have midweek games after that. I think Wednesday and a Thursday for each of these teams. So yeah, you got to you know, pack in some games. It's not uh, entirely great for Illinois to have to pack in games. I know Brad Underwood didn't like that earlier in the year, but they can make up this game and you hope it uh, is a, a win for Illinois at home, but that will not happen. And uh, they will have a lot of time to prepare for a huge game against Rutgers, who is currently second place in the Big Ten, and Illinois sitting in that six-way tie in the Big Ten at third place right now. Um, this is a big game to to get some separation, because you got some big games obviously coming up. You go to Penn State next week. Uh, you go to Indiana next week. So this was a really important week to take care of business at home, and Illinois does not have a win right now over the top half of the Big Ten because uh, they have three road losses uh, against the top half of the Big Ten. And, uh, of course, they have a home loss uh, as well in there. So it's a team its a team that really needs to start winning some of those games. And now they have the opportunity. They have taken care of business against most of the teams in the bottom half of the Big Ten outside of Penn State. And Penn State certainly was looking pretty good uh, at that time. So uh, Illinois, with the loss at Northwestern, loss at Iowa, loss at Maryland, and a home loss to Indiana, that means they're 0-4 against those teams. You get Rutgers coming to town tonight. Illinois certainly playing better uh, than it was when it played Maryland, when it played Penn State, uh, when it played Northwestern. So you hope that can be a, a big-time performance for Illinois where, where they can kind of prove themselves as, hey, we are a top-four team. We we can get a double bye in this Big Ten tournament. And uh, just to show that they continue to be consistent, because I don't know if Iowa, I don't know if that Iowa performance you sit there and go, oh, this team's not consistent. No, they played well enough for the most part to win. Uh, there are some execution mistakes. And that's what I broke down with Michael Tulip, our line-acquire basketball analyst. Great breakdown from Michael Tulip. You want to check out his uh, VIP film room. It's a longer one. I do have to warn you with that. But, boy, you want to know basketball go watch the VIP film rooms, watching a game with Michael to breaking down the film, showing the little things that make a difference. You just become basketball smarter. So go check that on the website, but also enjoy his chat here with me on the line and podcast. That's coming up next. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. All right, we're going early in the week with our guy Michael Tua because uh, that's a big game to talk about. Illinois falls to Iowa 81-79. Snaps the Illini's five-game win streak in the series. So Mike, I'll just throw it to you. What lost Illinois that game and what's your big takeaway?
1: Well, first things first, it was a hell of a bass. <clears throat> it was a hell of a college basketball game. Um, just two teams that I thought showed a tremendous amount of resolve throughout. Uh, you know, I was a the team they don't let you breathe when you have a lead. They just don't Um, and if you want to ask me what lost the game it was the fouls yeah there's really no way around it I think many of those is and people may disagree with this but go back and watch the game many of them were the right calls especially in the second half and look you pile up enough bad fouls then you put yourself in a spot where you know while you're while you're while you're trying to be mindful of not fouling you have a team in Iowa who is doubling down on what they do best and that's getting downhill with guys like Tony Perkins and Chris Murray and Aaron Euliss and trying to get you in foul trouble. They shoot the most free throws in the big 10 yeah. for a reason. This isn't just some sort of aberration. This is what they do and they're good at it. And I think the the misconception with Iowa is they have a super efficient offense because they're just chucking threes all game and shooting a lot of, that's just not the case with them. Northwestern shoots more threes. Wisconsin shoots more threes than them. So what they do is get to the line and, they beat you at that and and when it comes to how to rectify that how to not foul um, look this is less about how to not foul and more about how to limit the scenarios where you put yourself in a position to foul the foul is never the issue it's never the actual foul it's never like oh man shouldn't have hit his arm there's usually something before it you're either out of position hit on a screen botch to close out there's something that it's this discipline aspect to keep yourself out of the scenarios in which you do that and i thought there were just too many times in the second half where they put themselves in position to foul, and they did so you figure it out you turn the page and you want to be mindful of it but you also don't want to take away any type of aggression because i think their physicality is is an asset for them so uh it's just being mindful of the things before it's to keep you out of those scenarios.
0: Yeah. I don't have a huge big picture takeaway from this one, right? It was a ph- phenomenal game between two really good teams in the big 10 that I think have a chance to go far. You're on the road and you had a chance to win and you didn't, which stinks, but I, I don't think there's anything like, Oh, this team's not capable of this yet, or they're, they're not capable of this down the road. I just think they didn't execute quite enough to their capability, but change a few of those plays hate to go Beckman on you, but like, you know, change a few plays for Iowa, change a few tough shots that Iowa mm-hmm. made, and, and it's a different story. Or change a couple free throws. Like Iowa executed some of those things, and and Illinois didn't, and that ended up being the the difference in a phenomenal basketball game, as you said.
1: Sure, and I think too. Look, there's two different types of frustration after a loss. There's a frustration of, man, we are not where we need to be. Yeah. Northwestern. Northwestern, right? We're not where we need to be. This looks bleak. How do we make changes? What do we need to tinker with? How are we going to pull us out of this hole? What are we going to do? And then there's the other frustration of like, damn it. We should have had that one. Yeah. We should have had that one. We are where we need to be. We're on track. We're getting there. Uh, All these, all these games are just, you want to build, right? You want to build and be the team that you should be by the end of the year. And all these games are just checkpoints along the way. And that Iowa game was another checkpoint. And I think you come out of that game, well, certainly wasn't a step back. I think you proved to yourself, like, man, we see what we got in a lot of guys in high-pressure moments. And that's equally as important. You want to learn that in a win, obviously. But, shoot, that that type of frustration to me is more of the latter one where I'm talking about we should have had that one. And you turn the page and uh, you move on to Minnesota, right the ship, and then – Get on with it and, and take care of Rutgers.
0: One thing I want to bring up with you, Mike, is Illinois 0-4 against top half Big Ten opponents. Is there a trend here? Is there any big takeaway? Three of those are on the road, right? Maryland, Northwestern, now Iowa. One of them was at home against Indiana, potentially the hottest team in, in the Big Ten, along with Iowa. Um, any big takeaway from that so far?
1: I mean, you haven't played Purdue, you haven't played Rutgers, you haven't played Michigan. You lose to Maryland and Iowa on the road. Those two teams are 24-3 and three combined at home this year. So, you, to me, it's just a matter of they just haven't had the opportunities. But you have to take care of business in the bottom half of the Big Ten. Yeah. You have to. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago. You have to do that. If you want to have any prayer at not only sharing the league, winning the league, but even being in that first week or the, the Friday games and have a double buy, you can't be dropping games to the bottom half consistently. And they haven't done that, and so you take care of business there, and then now you're going to play these teams in a much better position than you would have would have yeah. been if you played them at the end of December or early January. So I think it actually works out for them in that scenario. Now I still have to play the games, but I don't buy into this notion of a, a couple things, right? I don't buy into the notion of they haven't played anybody. I mean, they beat you, they beat UCLA in Texas yeah. w- when they were probably a worse team in in a worse position. So. They can beat elite level teams. That's not an issue. And I also don't buy into the notion, because you hear this on it wasn't just this this past broadcast, but um other broadcasts as well, where it's like, oh man, you like the Temple raise, and it's like this isn't a game Illinois wants to be in. That's BS. They can I, I think I genuinely think this team can play enough offensive talent where They can play with anybody, any style.
0: They scored 79 points the other day. Like, they had 1.25 points per possession.
1: And they scored 79 points against UCLA. They scored 85 points against Texas. Like, I I don't buy into this where it's like, because they are so good defensively, these teams have long defensive possessions or offensive possessions against them. Therefore, the game is probably more low scoring. So then you have it in your head that, like, oh, my God, it's getting high scoring. This does not favor Illinois. And I just don't agree with that. They got too many talented offensive players that's usually the teams that want to keep it really low scoring. It's because they're typically inept offensively or they struggle in a lot of areas offensively. I don't really see that with this Illinois team. If you want to throw a shooting at me, fine. But they also have guys on the team that can knock it down at a high clip. So, I I, I don't really see the issue. So, to me it's much less of a, they haven't played anybody, we'll see how they fare. They've beaten elite teams. Now it's about doing it in conference play when the stakes are higher. Right? When it's not just a Game at Madison Square Garden or out in Las Vegas. It's man coming down the stretch. These are high pressure games, and you're either protecting home court or you're going into a, a big time environment. I mean, when we talk about Rutgers, when we t- or I know you're playing Rutgers at home, but like when you talk about Purdue and some of these teams, I mean those are the, some of the toughest environments in the country. So you want to be able to prove yourself, and I think they're at least put themselves in a position as a team to say, hey, we like where we're at now compared to where we were earlier in the Big Ten season.
0: Yeah, Indiana coming up. That's going to be a big-time environment in a couple of weeks. Yep. You brought up shot-makers. Uh, there's one guy who is really making shots at, at a ridiculously high clip, more, makes more than half the Illini's three-pointers uh, again at Iowa. Matthew Meyer uh, just went off in that first half. He's having a phenomenal run of basketball. He scored, he's led them in scoring eight of the last 15 games, which says a lot, given the team that's got Terrence Shannon, Dane Danger, Jaden Epps. Um, and it's interesting, Mike, like Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins continue to be on, on, on draft boards and things like that and in mock drafts. What about this guy? I mean, Matthew Meyer, the way he's built, the way he's playing, um, seems to translate to the NBA. Should, should he be higher on draft boards right now?
1: He should be higher probably. Does that mean he should be on a draft board? I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, I think he's the type of guy where if you want to take a flyer on him in the 50s. I don't see the downside in that. But I think he probably is a guy that's going to be suited for for more of a two-way contract. And um, that's wearing an NBA jersey, man, no matter how you slice it. And I think he's going to be another guy, too, that when he gets into workouts, he's going to shoot the cover off of it. I think he's a better athlete than pe- people give him credit for. I think he has better instincts than people give him credit for. Um, he's shown his ability to offensive rebound. Uh, The one thing that I think if you're watching film, if you're an NBA front office or if you're going to games, it's there's too many times where he gets a little spacey Mm -hmm. defensively. And I think that was the feedback that he got the first time around. So now you got to figure it out. I know the the thing with him is he can fall asleep. A lot of guys, they can fall asleep defensively, and it matters. Like, they get beat. It's a point-blank layup. Guys are shooting over him. This guy, I mean, he knows it he plays like he knows it where it's like hey i'm gonna conserve a little bit and oh shoot i got beat and i can recover and block the shot <laughs> and if i guess the upside to that is he's pretty fresh <laughs> offensively um but he's shown in moments where when he needs to buckle down and and, and give max effort defensively he can do it but i think at, at the next level he's going to need to show that he can do that consistently um or else you know the nba is the type of game where it's like you see it a little bit in college basketball where it's like hey let's pick on this guy let's go at this guy let's put this guy in actions let's see you see it a ton in the nba playoffs that's even more at a high level in that league Where if you're the weak link on the floor defensively they will play you off the floor mm-hmm. and i think he's capable on that end i know he knows he's capable on that end it's just continually putting yourself in a position to to put your best foot forward and I think if he does that, he's got all shoot, he's got all the offensive tools in the world. And he's got a, he's got great defensive instincts too. It's just being able to put it together and, and even when it feels like, hey, there may not be much expected of me on this posi- on this possession, like hands off the knees, yeah. get in the right position. We know you can recover, just do it consistently.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like he and Coleman, kind of the opposite sometimes, because defensively, you know what to expect out of Coleman. You're going to get it a lot. And then offensively, uh, it, it's a little bit risky. But, I mean, he is carrying them recently offensively. Mike, uh, during the last four games, Meyer is 14 of 34 from three. That's 41%. The rest of the Illini are nine for 65 at, at 14%. So uh, it just, he he's been massive for this team. I mean, to to win seven of eight like they did um, and not play well offensively, he just feels like a guy that if, if the other piece can get going, like Meyer can be one of those guys in the NCAA tournament that people are talking about for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and and because he's he has that type of confidence in yeah. himself. And give the kid a lot of credit, man. He had a rough start to the season. You know, getting shelved a couple times in games and just wasn't right defensively, wasn't making shots wasn't really moving the ball. And I think his patience, not feeling like he has to rush to get his production, that his patience has paid off. You know, he, he can take nine shots in a game, ten shots in a game, and have equally, if not more, impact than when I felt like he was forcing it earlier in the season. And give the staff a lot of credit. I think Underwood's gone to him a ton or, hey, you know, we recognize what we have. We're going to put you in those wedge actions. We're going to do the stack action, pop you up to the wing. And we're not going to overcomplicate things. You're too talented offensively. You're too good in ball screens for your size. You're too good catch and shoot. And we are going to pick on the defense because of your skill set. And they've played to that. And he, you know, sometimes a coaching staff will say, hey, we're putting this trust in you. We're going to play to your strengths. And a guy can run wild with it and go rogue. And he's, he's shown that at times. But some of his rogueness is what makes him really good. Mm -hmm. Um, If he was super conservative or uh, second-guessing, like, is this the time? Is this not? Like, he'd be half the player he is. So, to me, his emergence and his kind of, hey, man, eff it, let it fly, I think that's kind of permeated to the rest of these guys. Where, you know, maybe it shouldn't be eff it, let it fly for some of these guys. um, Be more selective. But that mindset of like, let's just grip it and rip it, man. That's what you need. There's this, it can get too tense in conference play, and you can kind of paralysis by analysis with the scout and this and that. Like, you need a guy who just can provide some relief on that end, not only just maybe in the huddle, but a guy that, man, plays broken down. It's 76 73 on the road and got ball almost gets picked off, and Matthew Meyer just spins right into a three where you could look at it as an ill advised shot, but it's not for him. Yeah. And, it's impressive and it's and for him to be able to do this and also elevate other parts of his game I think if he's not good defensively they can't be as good defensively if he's not as willing to be a passer like you've seen then they're not as good offensively so that all ties in for a guy with that type of usage if he's if he's gonna make it about himself or clearly show that he is going for his production you can't cap out you can't hit your ceiling as a team and he deserves a lot of credit for, for playing a major factor in them doing that.
0: On the flip side of this, you've had two veterans struggle in a small sample size here. Uh, but the last three games, Terrence Shannon, 30 points, on uh, 10 of 29 shooting, Coleman Hawkins, 21 points, 3 for 16 shooting. Uh, had some turnovers, of course, Coleman uh, against that press. Terrence had a couple fouls, uh, a couple sloppy turnovers as well. I think they combined for seven uh, against Iowa. What do, you, what do you see from those two?
1: Yeah, not a lot of panic on yeah. my end with them. I think they are offering so much on you know outside of the things that you see on the screen here right. with their you know box score and right. um, points and, and field goal attempts and field goal percentage. I think Terrence, particularly late in the game, uh, yeah, there were some fouls that I think you probably want to have back, but Connor McCaffrey's sitting on that left hand and they're you know illinois drawing a place for him to get to that left hand and for him to say hey man i'm gonna reject you here and i'm gonna go to my less dominant hand and get to the bucket he had the and one and then he got to the free throw line and got five points out of that in a really pivotal part of the game he knocks down his free throws like those are all things that you know if you can't rely on a guy or that guy doesn't have the confidence to do those things that's probably not even a two-point game Mm i mean he was a big reason why that was close now of course three-point game you're looking for a foul He's got to make the layup there. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got to be a little bit tougher, finish that, worry about the contact afterwards. Um, but he puts you in a position to be there. And I thought his defense, he he had a lot of effort. He had times where he was on Murray. He had times where he was on Perkins, two guys that kind of had it going at different times. And I thought he was solid. Um, he offers a lot. And then Coleman Hawkins, like, if you want to point to 0 for 7, I know he struggled – Offensively in the previous game as well. If you're trying to, if, if, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying Mm -hmm. I I hear a lot of people that are trying to define him as a player because of that. Like, I just don't want to hear it.
0: He was great on the glass, man. Like, he was, he's given so much effort on the glass, got huge points at the free throw line. Wish he made a couple more free throws. Um, Yeah. Wish he wouldn't have taken some 30 foot three pointers. Um, Sure. he He is irreplaceable on yep. this roster
1: that's that's the main point if your grievance is him pulling up on a fast break from 29 feet you i'll give you that point no question he's got to be better there he had and ty rogers let him off the hook with the tipping. in yep. uh he had another one that was deep with 13 seconds on the shot clock he's got to put himself in a position as a guy that's shooting a lower percentage right now to give himself a chance to make higher percentage ones and that's what he needs to improve on but the little stuff that i think goes over look for him You know, it's 74-71, crux of the game. You need a big-time possession. And shot goes up, missed shot. The result of the play was a Dane Danger dunk to make it 74-73. But the reason Dane Danger even gets the ball is because when the ball goes off the rim, Coleman Hawkins keeps it alive and taps it right to Dane Danger for a dunk. And keeping the ball alive on the glass. And the amount of times he got the offensive rebound, tried to put it back, got another foul. He may be missing free throws, but that's another foul for Iowa. Mm-hmm. And we talked about all the fouls Illinois had and how they were in the double bonus, You know how they put Iowa in the double bonus. Same thing went on the other side, because with two minutes left in that game, both teams were in the double bonus. And part of that's from Terrence's aggression getting downhill, and part of that's from Coleman Hawkins' relentlessness on the, on the glass. You need it. You need all of it. And there's times where Tony Perkins has it going, and Coleman Hawkins is guarding him. Going over screens, fighting through screens, staggers. I mean, this guy's 6'10", 6'11", and Chris Murray's coming off of pin downs and flares and staggers. And you got a guy fighting through and still getting a hand. He fell asleep one time on a flare that Chris Murray hit to start the game. But other than that, I thought he was great contesting. I mean, Chris Murray goes into that little rocker, step back. I mean, it's it's really hard to guard. He hit
0: some tough shots, man. He hit some tough shots.
1: For the most part, Terrence and Coleman were huge reasons why in that first half, you're just like, dude, tip your cap. Yeah. They're hitting a ton of tough, contested twos. Uh, he had, Terrence had one really good one on Aaron Eulis. Like, could not have shadowed him better, contested right at the apex, and Eulis just hits it. Mm-hmm. And Coleman, same thing on Murray. He had, Murray hits two in the first half from mid range that Coleman almost gets a hand on. And that's how their defense is designed. So I, I don't worry about the offensive struggles because they're that good you know in their other parts of their game and it's the reason why if you want to talk to me about like taking minutes away from coleman hawks i i'm not there (laughs) that's crazy they're too good defensively with him.
0: yeah he played a team by 35 minutes for a reason um yeah he's he's the most he's just irreplaceable on this roster He, he really is all right uh one guy who i think everybody agrees was was awesome on Saturday, and, and that's Jaden Epps, man. I've been talking about how he's been playing like a veteran. That was a veteran like performance. 16 points, 12 straight in the second half. Um, we, we've talked about him endlessly here on this podcast with you, Mike. But what did you see from Jaden Epps on, on Saturday? And what, what are you just seeing from him the last month as the go to league guard?
1: Could be more impressed. Could not be more impressed. I think. And I know you have a lot of talent on this team. You got Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon. You got Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger. You got a lot of talent on this team. But if you don't have a point guard who can weather the storm and set the table, sayonara. You can't win big in in the league. You can't win big in the NCAA tournament. You cannot point to any team that's had success. And then tell me tell me the team that's had – horrendous point guard play or no point guard play and done anything worth a damn look we've talked about his ability to go off script right i mentioned in the last podcast in a good way offensively he's fearless throw the 2-2-1 press at him whatever don't care we're getting over we're getting over half court no panic set the table let's run some stuff right but more importantly than all of that is the fact that this dude is not just treading water defensively. Mm-hmm. He's not just treading water. He, his discipline, his ball pressure, you, you stick him on a shooter, he's, he's locking and trailing. And, and in a game that was riddled with fouls, this dude had one. Pressuring the ball, getting into it, getting over screens, one foul. U.S. was and a non-factor. Ulis was a complete non-factor. He, he had Sanford on a couple possessions. He had, he had Dix on a couple possessions. He, you can put him in different spots. And look, you need five guys. If you want to be an elite defense, you need five guys. And weak links limit you. And freshmen are typically weak links. He is not that. He's not. like, Look, when you pressure the ball like he does, when you guard the yard like he does then you allow all this length and all this size and versatility that we talk about you allow them time to come over and do what they do enough time to recover or help from the weak side or offer help in the gap that is because of his ball pressure and because of how he guards his yard you cannot be the defense that you are without him blocking shots I, you know, you hear it all with this defense, and they do that, and they do it at a high level, and it contributes. But if you have a guy on the floor that cannot guard the ball, that doesn't have ball pressure, that is the weak link. Don't talk to me about an elite defense. He's a big reason for that. He I love,
0: is. I love that you are bringing this up after a game he scored sixteen points,
1: Mike. Yeah, that's that, very coachable. that's great. Like he can do that. We know Jaden Epps. Like no one's, no one's seen him do what he does offensively. I'm, I'm impressed just how stoic he remains and, and yeah. how his his belief in himself and in big moments, man, I can go on a run myself. You're going to have to really sit down and guard me. I'm going to put pressure on you. But we kind of know that about Jaden Ness. Yeah. That was his reputation coming in. Like this dude can fill it up. He can score at a high level. This stuff, him, freshmen that cannot guard, do not play. I don't, I don't care where you're at, especially at this level. But Jay neps man, he is as important as all those other guys defensively because at times if he's guarding the point guard, he is your point of attack. And if he's pressuring the ball and making it really hard for them to get into their stuff, now that length on the wings can push stuff out more, right? The entry pass gets more difficult, right? You're not getting beat in a straight line where guys can't come over and deflect and contest like these guys do. That's him, man. That's him and I I'll, I'll say not only just him. That's sincere Harris too. Mm-hmm. That's Ty Rogers but especially Jay Nepps when you're playing 30 minutes a game, shoot, you better be good on that end and he is. Yeah. I love it. set. It Was fired. I'm up. sorry. I am like I'm sweating because it, <laughs> it gets it gets me so excited.
0: Uh Ty Rogers too, man. Uh we, we continue to see it and build and and that was probably the biggest game he's he's played a big role in or one of them. Uh, on the road to play like he did, to be as aggressive offensively as he did. I know he had foul trouble uh, in that second half, but um, I, I know I keep asking about him, but uh, he just keeps he keeps stacking it a little bit here, Mike.
1: And he keeps coming off the bench earlier and earlier. first this time. I think he, yeah, he was first this time because he just he has a way of setting the tone with that second unit. He just does. And look, not a lot of teams would have the luxury if a Meyer or a Shannon gets in foul trouble to put a guy with that type of instincts and defensive ability on the floor. And now I think he's being able... Now, there were some bonehead turnovers. Yeah. You know, that's just ones that I don't think will be the norm for him. I mean, he throws it to literally nobody in the corner. Mm -hmm. He Breaking the press, he just kind of gives it up in a tough spot. But, look, I think he is continuing to get better. And ability to finish around the rim he had, you know he could have done it again but instead he finds an even better one he could have had a contested reverse layup but let's get matthew Meyer in a catch and shoot by the iowa bench for a 3 like his his instincts are just so good and i don't know how you couldn't be in love with this kid as a staff and the trust is building we've mentioned that time and time again on this you know on this podcast and uh, he's earned it he's earned it and he's earned it specifically the defensive end but if he can continue to make good decisions offensively you make it you make it really hard to take a guy like that off the floor.
0: This team could really use Luke Goody, right? I mean, they could they could really use a, a three point shooter um, coming off that bench. Um, but as expected, Mike he didn't play uh, at Iowa. Uh, we'll see w- what happens this week. But there's just got to be a gear up for him, right? Like there, this Brad Underwood was saying, he's had like two five on five practices before that game, and he was asking for oxygen after one of them. Um, you, you talked about it last week. The expectations with him. We'll see if he can get in the game this week. I think that's the first step, right? Just getting in the game, getting up and down the court.
1: Well, the hope is that if you play a team like Minnesota, that you take care of business and you can put him in in a less pressure-filled environment. To, to roll him out there in that environment against Iowa, not that he couldn't handle it. Right. Uh, that's just not fair. Um, that's just not fair. I think he, he still needs time to ramp up, get his wind, because it's even more – I mean. People always think, man, you got to be in good conditioning, and you can go run a five-minute mile. It's hard to prepare for the environment because it's your mind that runs the most that actually ends up tiring you out. It's mm-hmm. less the physical stuff. It's that combination of thinking and moving. It's why basketball is such a hard sport to try to come back in and get reacclimated because um, there's so many parts that you have to be on on cue with. So um, there's going to be opportunities to to throw him in there and, and see what you got but look if if he was going to play last game he would have played I mean you, you had enough foul trouble to throw him in there um so he there was no way he was playing last game and even more so in like I said in that type of environment he and I'll, I'll reiterate again he offers you stability offensively he can space the floor because he, he's, he's knocked down shooter he's all of that but I'll I'll just stop right here if he if, he, if he's a step slow defensively and he's not really fully prepared yet on that end then I'm not sure how you can play them that much yeah all
0: right this week Mike you got uh, Minnesota on Tuesday they're they're real and they're injured um they've lost seven in a row it's a game you got to take care of uh but but Rutgers on Saturday talk about a quad one home opportunity against a second place team right now uh in the big ten so this is a this is a big week for Illinois particularly this this Rutgers game on Saturday got to take care of business against Minnesota of course Rutgers on Saturday is a a huge matchup for this team
1: yeah don't overlook you you can't overlook minnesota i think and when i say don't overlook i don't say it in the sense where it's like they sneak up on you and beat you yeah I, i just i would be shocked if that happened but it's playing the quality of basketball you want to be playing going into a game like Rutgers. yeah right you don't want all these warts to pop up against a team like minnesota because maybe you're not taking them uh, as seriously as you should. And then now you feel like you're kind of on your heels going into a really, really pivotal conference matchup on Saturday. So you take care of business. And then assuming that you do that, you move into a game where, man, you talk about a team that's going to make you work for everything that you got offensively. And now this, is, this goes back to having a guy like Matthew Meyer and having a guy like Terrence Shannon, guys that can just kind of go get you on Jay Nepps. You're going to need that because things are going to break down. You're going to have to go off script they're not going to let you run your pretty actions. It's just that's just not what they do. And on the flip side of that, you can really make them work offensively. This isn't the most potent offensive team in the country. I think it's it's you know there's a reason why they've been able to kind of be who they are. Uh, I think I, I don't know Ken Palm. I think has them as the number two defense in the country um, efficiency wise, but they're one twenty offensively. Mm-hmm. They play a, a really kind of Snail's pace, um, but they're after opportunistic, and they've added a guy like Cam Spencer that I think has kind of been their missing link. Where you have kind of a dead eye, you foul me, it's ninety plus percent from the line, shooting forty five plus from three. Uh, but the guy I think is also—I don't know if he's still leading the conference in steals, but he was at one point. So you clearly see there's a reason why they went out and got went out and got him, and it's not just because he's a good shooter. Um, but even even factoring in his forty whatever percent i think it's 42 percent now um they're a 32 percent three-point shooting team so much like illinois not a great three-point shooting team but it doesn't matter because teams are shooting 29 percent from three against them and 43 percent inside the arc for good is good for 13th in the country so they do all of it defensively so you can't get discouraged and you certainly can if they if they jump out on you and take a lead start saying man let's get this back with three-pointers you know, let's get this back with something that is not our strength. That mm-hmm. you gotta be mindful of that. That's Iowa got down and said, Hey, we're doubling down, we're we're driving more at you. We're getting more downhill. We're gonna to get to the free throw line. Meyer, Shannon, Epps, those are three guys where it's like, get your head down and get downhill. Try to get two guys to commit. Now we can get inside out, more higher percentage, three point looks. That's gotta be the game plan. But You know, you you got to get quality looks against this Rutgers team, and you can't get discouraged if those quality looks don't come in the first 15 seconds of the shot clock, because more than likely they won't. So, and you also can't rush like you did against Virginia, where it's like we may not get another good one. Let it fly. Like you just be economical with it, be selective, because you're good enough defense to limit them offensively. But don't don't rush into bad ones where you don't have rebounding position. Now they're getting out because they'll run on the fast break when they have it. And you don't want to give them free ones on that end because they're good enough defensively to make you pay. for that.
0: Six-way tie for third place in the Big Ten. Illinois is a part of it. Rutgers just one game ahead. And now Purdue just two games uh, ahead of that pack or two and a half games ahead of that pack uh, with their loss against Indiana. Michael Tulip, thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week, man. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. And as I said, if you want more of Michael Tulip, if you want to sit down... Watch a game with Michael Toope. If you want to know what a film room breakdown is like with the team, what they're going over, what they see, uh, go check out our VIP film room right now up on the site. It's about—it's uh, a longer one, but even if you take only 10, 20 minutes of it, man, uh, you'll learn something you didn't see during the game. You get to know the game a little bit better. And then what I've noticed, whether it's Jay Layman or Michael Tube with these VIP film rooms, you notice it when it happens in a game, whether you're watching a replay, whether you're watching it live, you notice more and you become a smarter fan and you just know what's happening and I think that's Uh, A gift that these guys are giving us. So go check out that VIP film room now. So we got a little while before a game, but we got plenty of football content coming up at Illini Inquirer. And of course, we'll have the latest on Illinois basketball. Check all that out. appreciate you guys listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube, man. The YouTube community is going strong there. We appreciate all you guys. Give us a like on there. Subscribe to us and get notified whenever our new videos come out. Really helps us out. And uh, it's been a fun way uh, to get our content out that way as well. But until next time, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the On Enquire podcast. Bye everybody.